we're joined by the man that a lot of you have wanted to hear more of, Ian Hendo Henderson. Hendo, welcome How back. Are you? Ian. How are you? Oh, sorry. Ian, it's the, Ian, Ian's your brother. Sorry. I'm, I'm thinking... Uh, mate, I, 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 I never, thinking vinegar, not beer. <laughs> I, I was in that split second, if I just go Hendo, does that sound yeah. too inside? And so I thought I'd use the formal name, but then I reverted to your brother's name. <laughs> Thanks to Cry Malt, this is Radio Brews News. My name is Matt Kirkegaard, founder of Australian Brews News, and as ever, I'm joined by James Atkinson, but not by Pete Mitchum. Uh, James, welcome back to uh, to the show. Thanks for having me. Where's Prof? Mate, Prof is out uh, out and about. I think he's doing some filming. He's got a couple of uh, side hustles, as the kids like to call them, um, that he's working on at the moment. So uh, I believe he's going to be up in Brisbane tonight. And tomorrow, filming for the. Uh, hopefully, I'm not breaking any embargoes on this. Uh, filming the AIBA collaborative brew between last year's trophy winners. Um, so he'll be in town in Brisbane tomorrow. We might catch up for, for uh, the afternoon, but he's got a few other things on. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, so so that's where Prof is. But in Prof's place, we're joined by the man that a lot of you have wanted to hear more of, Ian Hendo Henderson. Hendo, welcome How back. Ian. How are you? Oh, sorry. Ian, it's, uh, Ian, Ian's your brother. Sorry. I'm, I'm thinking... Uh, mate, I, 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 I never, thinking vinegar, not beer. I, I was in that split second. If I just go Hendo, does that sound yeah. too inside? And so I thought I'd use the formal name, but then I reverted to your brother's name. Um, and we're, so you do actually know his brother. That wasn't just a complete coincidence. No, no, no. I do know his brother. His brother is a uh, rather talented uh, manufacturer of spoiled uh, wine. Right. Well, my only, yeah, my only experience of um, of Hendo's brother is in Hendo's beer, Acid Freaks, which I believe used a bit of the balsamic, didn't it? That's right. Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah. That was a long time ago now, but uh, it was good fun. Good Gabs. Good Gabs beer. It was. Got a lot uh, of attention. And, and mate, almost, uh, you know, preempted this love of sour that we're uh, going through at the moment. It did. It did. It's not a sour, though. <laughs> yeah, well, no, but I tell you what, I've tried a few, a few inverted commas, sours that tasted uh, not quite as good as the vinegar that your brother makes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's pretty good at it. You know, he's got a new factory out in Stanthorpe and he's uh, he's doing quite well. So, yeah. Going completely off uh, off script here, but that's, that's a funny thing. Like, I, I always bridle a little bit whenever, um, you know, brewers or, you know, artisanal uh, vinegar makers like your brother, you know, they refer to it as a factory because it... Sends all of the wrong, you know, connotations of something that is really boutique-y, um, as as his vinegar is. Yeah, Ian calls it a innovation centre. <laughs> well, that that sounds. He should go and work for AB InBev or something. <laughs> he's uh, going to call it that. Vinegar, vinegar innovation centre. He's called it. So he's 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 got he's got the marketing down pat. He's doing all right. <laughs> there you go. So anyway, uh, on with the show. We have been uh, you know told to keep it tight, and uh, we've already been crapping away for a little bit too long but uh this week as uh it's a little bit slow on the news front being easter so there hasn't been too many big stories but it has been an enormous bulging mailbag it's been our best uh, mailbag ever so james i think we might need to get some sponsorship the prizes that we've been offering seem to have uh you know incentivized people to take the time to send us an email because uh, we've, we've actually had to pick and choose um from from the mailbag this week 
And they're not even, um, you know, little 25 words or less type numbers either. Like some of them are almost essays, aren't they? Which is awesome. And, and, and that's, you know, more than anything, uh, you know, we know our listeners, um, you know, think a, a lot about beer, but their, their emails have taken time and they've obviously been thinking about it. So uh, we, we thought that we'd uh, do our first ever mailbag. Um, and it's timely that we do have Hendo on because a lot of these uh, uh, are, are topics that we'd love to get a brewer's perspective and uh, having a brewing rock star on to uh, give us a hand is, is perfect. Absolutely. So, first uh, first one, and these were in no particular order. They were just, uh, as I said, we've had to whittle them down. So, if you did email, and it's not uh, it's not done, it's because we did want to keep the uh, podcast to under two hours. Um, It's certainly not about the quality of the emails because all of the emails were were awesome. Um, So, apologies in advance if uh, if we didn't include yours. But uh, first one from uh, Dave Clawton, who I believe is uh, from Brisbane. And this came by email. Hi team, loving the podcast with the split format and Hindo's insights have been great. There you go, Hendo. I had uh, I had to whittle out a few. I didn't want to give you too many. That uh, we've had a lot of. Uh, we want more Hendo. Um, uh, now it might be a little bit early to talk about this topic, but I thought it might be interesting to hear your opinion on beer excise tax. Considering the current momentum, has there been any commitment from breweries you've spoken to? If there was a fairer tax structure, how they would trickle down the changes? Would there be an arms race to a new keg and small package price points? Do you think the consumer would actually see a difference in tap prices, or have they been, or have they been sufficiently conditioned enough to continue accepting the current price points? Keep up your good work. Now, this is an incredibly thoughtful take on excise hendo. What are your thoughts? Mm. Yeah, look, I think uh, you know, in, here in Australia, we're in desperate need of um, uh, excise reform, and I'm just looking at here at the moment the uh, submission the Independent Brewers Association sent to the Treasurer on the 19th of February, and. Um, Pretty much everything that they're asking for is quite reasonable in the context of, you know, other forms of um, alcohol available in the country. Uh, You know, they're asking for, you know, currently there's a $30,000 a year uh, refund on excise, uh, which isn't indexed, whereas excise is indexed twice a year in um, February and August. Um, So they're asking for for that uh, $30,000 to be raised to... $350,000 $350,000 per annum. But, but, but I guess um, the point that Dave's getting to, like I, I think we all know that the excise system is a complete abomination in, in, in the yep. country. Um, but I guess yep. Dave's specific question was, if breweries suddenly had, say, $300,000 as the wineries do, um, yes. would brewers suddenly see a, um, you know, a, like a windfall in their bank accounts where there's $300,000 that they get to keep? Or would we actually see shelf prices coming down as competition because at the moment brewers don't actually brewers aren't charged the excise they are the tax collectors um so it's not money that's in their pocket um but a lot of brewers seem to have in their heads that if there is this um tax break they are going Mm -hmm. to pocket the difference um and i think dave's asking is will will the competition see prices shelf prices come down or will brewers actually get to keep the money and consumers will pay more for the beer I think, you know, if I was still operating a brewing company, I think it would be uh, a little bit of both. Um, If I, you know, I I look at excise as a cost. So if I could uh, reduce the cost by a bigger refund, then most certainly I would pass that on to consumers. But also at the same time, I wouldn't pocket the money, but I'd reinvest it in the business. And that might mean better equipment, you know, um, more staff, 
um, you know, um, expansion of capacity, you know, things like that, and 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 that leads to the growth in 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 the industry. So, um, I don't think I don't think that I could name any brewer in the country who would go, yeah, three hundred fifty thousand dollars a year in my pocket. I'm off to the pub, boys. Um, just it wouldn't work that way, you know. We're all in this to grow craft beer, and um, and I think that um, uh, the so I reckon I would I would hazard as a guess to say that some of the costs would be passed on to the consumer, but I would see a, I think you'd see a lot of breweries who would reinvest, particularly around quality. So we may actually uh, wind up with a with a higher standard of quality. I don't think we would see people yeah you know, brewers pocketing three hundred fifty grand. It's never been the IBA's argument that you know excise relief is is um, needed in order to make beer cheaper for consumers, and so that brewers can po- pocket the money. It's precisely, you know, what you said that 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 money would be able to reinvest, be reinvested in their businesses. Yes. Um, having said that, I'm sure that you know there would be a whole lot of different approaches from the you know the whole industry the, the different brewers as to how they did use that money and I'm, I'm sure that there probably would be some downward pressure on prices just because not everyone's going to choose to reinvest yeah that's what i'm seeing at the moment you know we, we last at the end of last year we saw a real um you know push and, and you're always hearing people offering keg deals and things like that there's a lot of price pressure on craft at the moment um to try and make it uh you know to try and get tap points and as I understand it, the um, excise would be at the moment, it's built into the price of beer. Um, brewers collect it and they remit it on whatever um, regular period to the government. Um, and so they just basically hold the money and then pass it on to the government. Um, the, the proposal would allow um, brewers to, inverted commas, keep three hundred, the first $300,000 of that, which theoretically would go into their pockets and that you can you know, put into brewing quality and you know um, staff and all of those sorts of things but I, I actually worry that the, com- the competitiveness in the industry would see prices come down which ultimately is great for um, beer anyway because one of the, the the sticking points for craft beer is it's high shelf price and if that comes down mm. then that makes it easier for more consumers to afford this expensive craft beer because it comes down but I actually I, I it, it really is a case of be careful of what you wish for um, as, as as far as I see it because the wet tax um, seems to have brought a whole lot of people in to um, the wine industry which saw a glut of wine a lowering of quality because people thought that they were going to make money when it saw more cheaper wine so I worry that if there, if suddenly there was this uh mindset of pot, pots of gold then we would see even more breweries opening up and it could actually uh, be detrimental to the industry that said there absolutely needs to be reform because and and it needs to come at the expense of wine because um, I, I was speaking to a producer yesterday who is making a three and a half percent ginger beer yeah and they need to sell it at 350 dollars a keg because it's taxed as an alcopop um, even though it's three and a half percent but yet a wine-based ginger beer or a, like I think even a ginger beer that's at 8% is taxed as a ginger wine because ginger and sake and all of these things are included in the, yeah. the, the, the wet rebate. And they can be, they can be selling an, uh, you know, an 8% ginger beer at $200 a keg um, because they get the, the, the wet rebate. Um, so yes. it's a complete opposite of what the, the beer industry faces where lower alcohol is treated better 
in, in, in the case of ginger beer. And it, it just shows how ridiculous industry is. But that also highlights um, what I think would happen if there was a, um, you know, a, a tax change favouring brewers, that we're going to actually see cheaper keg prices as opposed to brewers making more money. Yeah, and I yeah, it's it's a it's a valid point. And the other thing that um, that raises concerns uh, with me with regards to so with the wet rebate, you don't actually have to own a winery. You could be a contract uh, manufacturer, and you still get access to the wet rebate. And um, with the proposal the IBA's put through, you know, they've said you know three hundred fifty thousand dollar refund, but that doesn't apply. So we we still have this situation where gypsy brewers and contract brewers. Uh, who don't have an excise license don't get access to these refunds and 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 being able to manage their excise independently of their host brewery. So all of a sudden you find gypsy brewers and contract brewers at a three hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollar disadvantage uh, per year because just because they don't own a brewery or don't have an excise license. It's an interesting one. Yes, um, and unfortunately, tax is a very powerful lever to change people's behaviour. So, but anyway, mm-hmm. in the in the interest of uh, hopefully we've answered Dave's uh, question there. Um, if anyone's got any thoughts or feedback, uh, we'll see if we can rustle up a prize uh, on that one. Next one, uh, Shane Jasprizzo, who's a who, as he says, is a long time listener, first time emailer, and he's always wanted to say that. Um, I believe Jay, uh, Shane uh, works for Dave's Brewery Tours and runs the um, Canberra operation for for Dave's Brewery Tours. Really glad I didn't rush out to buy a Tap King at the time. I had a mate who bought one and never got it pouring right. Leaked beer out of his fridge and almost led to divorce. Was refreshing to hear the admission of uh, failure by CUB. Actually, it was Lion, um, Shane, but yeah, it's always refreshing to hear an admission of failure, um, despite the display and coming clean. Uh, also, I applaud, applaud Ian Watson for sticking to his guns on date coding and short shelf life on beers. Uh, my suggestion is brewers put a BBD on the can bottle to keep retailers happy then sometime somewhere on the label print this beer was brewed on brewed x months before the BBD or uh, uh, package a date um, best consumed by either way get as much info, info as they need without the brewer having to print two dates on the bottle can which I understand a lot of packaging machines can't do what do you think Hendo did you uh, rush out and buy a Tap King no you didn't <laughs> no <laughs> Uh, nope. <laughs> I, and I have to say that I didn't rush out and buy one, but I was sent uh, at least two at various stages to, to trial. So uh, I don't know that I'll, I actually probably would have rushed out because I actually thought it was a pretty cool innovation. Anything that puts the attention on beer and gets people into the category, I think, is a good thing. But anyway, so... Yeah. Uh, what beers could you get in it? It was like you could get Creatures and Squires and... I don't think new, you could I get Creatures... And- I, I think uh, James Squire Golden Ale was about the most adventurous beer that you yep. could get. Um, so it was, it was pretty mainstream um, mm. early on, and they were just never able to iron out the problems um, to you know, w- w- with the basic um, system to, to expand it. Well, beer dispense is really difficult thing to get right, and it's a skill set. Uh, in itself that, uh, that that I don't have and, and you know, I make the beer but I certainly don't know too much about um, uh, the dispense of beer um, and, um, uh, you know, when you're creating a dispense system like Tap King that's going to go into the hands of people who don't really know, don't absolutely have no idea as to how beer dispense works and expect it to work 100%. That's a that's a big ask, and you know it's good of Lion to sort of come clean on that. Um, but um, yeah, it was it was a tricky one. It does need to be bulletproof, James. Did you a lot of lot of, lot of technical problems? 
James, did you have one? You would have been sent one, no doubt. I did, yeah, and I, I had to play around with it. Um, and I think, you know, I, I think I just sort of found that, yeah, I did find it a little bit patchy whether it worked or not, and just the hassle of kind of getting it, you know, like just the simplicity, and I said this, I think, last week, but just the simplicity of cracking a can or a bottle, you just can't beat that really at home, even though we all might like to have, um, you know, be able to pour a perfect draft beer. Um, if it's if it's not as simple as just walking up to a tap and going bang, then, you know, you just you just kind of can't be bothered. Yeah, mm. and, and I think that was ultimately what counted against it. Hendo, one of the other topics we've discussed recently, and, and it goes to that idea of uh, putting the attention on draft, is the Carlton draft... Um, you know, those tanks that a lot of uh, venues are having installed at the moment to sell fresh, unpasteurised beer. What's your thought on mm-hmm. on that as, as an attraction to the category? I just had one of those. I kid you not, I had a Carlton Draft tank beer the day before yesterday up in Broadbeach. I went to watch a concert for the Commonwealth Games. And um, I was curious. I've had it before in, in Melbourne at, uh, at Beer Deluxe, and, and I actually quite enjoyed it, uh, that, that one, because... Um, uh, you could taste some hop character in the beer, and um, it was fresh and nice and really tasty. It was pretty good. Um, my experience the other night was not that great. Um, I don't know if it comes whether whether the Carlton Draft up here comes out of Yatler as opposed to Abbotsford, but um, but it was it was it wasn't as wasn't as good as I recall at the time before. So. I'll, I'll make a note to uh, to to to, find, to report back on that for you to sort of find mm. out whether it's all out of the same uh, brewery or whether it's uh, it does have the Abbotsford and the uh, Yaddler production. Yeah. One of the things I like about it is not so much about the beer, but it's it's an initiative. It's a, you know it's all about the marketing, but it's a marketing initiative that puts the focus on the actual liquid and concepts yes. of freshness and which we'll come to and positivity around that and educating people that, you know, fresh beer um, has a finite shelf life. Um, and, and it's also like you look at some of the nonsense marketing that big breweries and small breweries come up with. It's got nothing to do with the beer. It's just a gimmick. This actually does yep. put the focus on all of the best things about beer. Absolutely, and that's why that's why I think it's a uh, it's a, it's a it's a great idea. Um, you're you're going to get people who are you know lifelong Carlton Draft drinkers trying a uh, Carlton Draft tank beer, and they're going to go, wow, this is different and it's brighter and you know it's it's full of life and it's fresh and awesome. Where else can this take me? You know, and and um, maybe that's that's you know maybe that's someone's way into. Uh, a gateway into craft beer it might be Carlton Draft Tank beer. Who knows? Um, but um, but I like the concept. Thank you, Shane. Thanks for uh, emailing. And we will because a couple of people have referred to the uh, used by date, so we'll uh, we will get to that um, elsewhere in the discussion. Uh, next email. Hi, Matt, Pete, and James. In no particular order, but also uh, obviously Hendo. Just want to drop a line and say thank you for the recent focus on beer freshness and packaging dates. Uh, This has been a topic close to my heart for some time, with me jumping on my soapbox whenever possible to advocate, at least among me mates, uh, my mates, who will will listen uh, for both packaged on and best before dates. Uh, As I think I've mentioned before, we've got a couple of friends, a father and son team, who are about to open a brewery down here in Gerringong, Stoic Brewing. Uh, Shout out to Stoic Brewing, looking forward to trying those beers. Mm. Um, And I'm pushing them down this path. Their focus will definitely be drink local, drink fresh, so packaged on best before dates will hopefully be what they open with. Um, It's a topic that often comes up at our local beer club, the Gerringong Hopsters. Um, Check us out at www.gerringonghopsters, and that's S-T-I-R-S.org, as finding... 
sufficient varieties of fresh beer for our monthly gathering is not always easy. It's uh, a good move. Um, anyway, I just wanted to call and thank you for pushing the barrel. Hopefully, other uh, and that's from Simon Godden in Gerongong, obviously. Um, Hendo, there has been a lot of uh, chat about um, brewed on dates, and I think uh, like you mm. were an early, um, you know commentator on this issue with with the blog posts that we ran on on brews news um and yep. you've have you caught up with the chat i had with ian watson i did i did I, I listened to it last night it was excellent and what what were your thoughts i think he's right on the money um you know he's um uh, he you know at slipstream uh, they're doing uh, on their cans a packaged on and a best before date the best before date is 120 days uh that was pretty much what I was doing when I was operating brew cult. Um, it was 120 days uh, best before date, although I didn't have the ability to print uh, the best before date on each bottle, but I made a point of putting it on carton outers and cases. And yeah, I think we've got to do both with small packs, so bottles and cans. Um, we have to write on each individual bottle um, the packaged on date and uh, the best before date it gives the consumer uh, the ability to make an informed choice as to whether they think uh, the beer is fresh um, in their opinion and it's their choice as to, as to um, uh, whether they go ahead and buy it and then the brewer puts the best before date on because that's his belief or his or her belief as to uh, how long he thinks the beer will smell and taste as good as he wants it to uh, as good as he believes it, it, the shelf life uh, can be for as long as it can be I think that um, having uh, having both on small pack is is a great idea uh, on kegs I'm I'm of the opinion that that um, there's no point putting uh, a packaged on date on a keg because the consumer the person is actually going to drink buy the beer and drink it is never going to see it on a keg they never see the keg uh, so having a best before date really just tells seller people, uh, in in pubs and, and and restaurants wherever draft beer is available, um, when it should be used by, like milk, you know. It's one of those interesting ones because I've had a lot of brewers. Um, you know, it, it's hard because I don't want to come out and be too vocal um, if if they don't agree with the the shorter dates. But you know, a, a big push is we won't get our beer on shelves because um, a whole lot of distributors and a whole lot of uh, retailers won't take it unless we put a nine-month best before date on. Um, and, and I can understand that. But I guess that's one of those business decisions that you have to make. And every decision that you make has opportunities, but every opportunity has a cost. And do you think more small brewers should look at pasteurising if they are going to go into the national accounts? Oh, um, look, there's lots of tools um, at the disposal of a brewer to... Um, uh, increase shelf life. Um, pasteurization is just just one of them. That's really a decision for an individual brewer. I'm not anti-pasteurization. Um, you know, the the right sort of beer and you know done properly on the right sort of equipment and managed with a quality focus um, can have some wonderful outcomes on um, shelf life and 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 how how sta stable a beer can be. But there's you know I've I've had some really good pasteurized beers and I've had some really bad pasteurized beers. Um, and um, that's not about it's, it's probably not something that's available to smaller brewers uh, because the equipment required is quite expensive so you don't have many tools at your disposal other than you know sort of informing the consumer 
if you're on the smaller end of the of of the of the uh, on the scale. And, and I guess that's one of the big issues that uh, craft brewers need to be, you know. Small, like small guys, um, need need to be deciding. If you are small and you don't have the tools, you don't have the lab, you don't have uh, you know full control over your packaging equipment, um, and you know you don't have the ability to pasteurise. Should they be making decisions about whether or not they go into um, you know national accounts or even you know sending their beer you know states away rather than just keeping keeping local? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, um, Ian's done a great job at Slipstream to um, educate his his boss, he's the owner of the, the brewery, to uh, not let's not go national distribution, let's not um, go into the majors where we've got to put a nine month best before date. He's stuck to his guns there, uh, and he's he's successfully managed to educate the brewery owner, and you know they're going to have better outcomes with 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 better quality beer, fresher beer. Consumers are going to have, have a better experience, and they'll remain loyal to that brand. And yeah, that's a good thing. James, have you had much uh, by way of comment about this issue? I, I couldn't agree more with um, everything that Ian had to say. And, and like Hendo said, it was fantastic that um, you know that he's been supported in that stance by the owner deal. I suppose my main question is just how will that play out over the next few years? When you know Ian's mentioned that they're about to double in capacity. Um, they're obviously planning to keep growing and there's a lot you know there's a lot of people that talk about how it's very difficult to be a wholesale um, based brewery and be you know truly profitable until you get to about the one million liter mark. Um, so you know would it be possible to get that big um, if you were going to really be sticking to your guns with you know if you're going to go into the national accounts, that's where you do have to start to compromise. and unless, we see the likes of, um, you know, Woolies and um, yeah, Dan Murphy's and, and BWS um, starting to really take a leadership position in relation to freshness, then, you know, you're just going to have to compromise if you want to go into those channels. And those channels, I think it's very hard to grow volume, um, you know, in the off-premise without considering the chains in some fashion. But again, that's to, to me, that's one of the, 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 the crux issues um, around this and everyone's very bullish about the growth of craft beer and it's very exciting and it's being driven at the moment by a lot of small local breweries are creating that excitement but then you know the, the thing I can't get my head around with is you know uh, if you go back 100 years we had you know x hundred breweries and pretty much every town had a brewery the thing that saw some breweries close and some breweries expand was the quality of their beer and they were able to make consistently good beer and send it further afield and as we got train lines um you know and better rapid communication the breweries that were able to get better quality shelf stable beer grew and they ultimately grew into the the big ones that we've got and nothing in that um historical example has changed for, for the modern industry and if we have a lot of small breweries putting beer into long chain um logistics and giving bad consumer experiences, that actually plays into the hand of the bigger brewers um, already. Um, and, you know, I, I, again, if you want to grow, that's the compromise you need to make. But I don't think, I think there are a lot of breweries that are making the compromise of going into the long chain distribution and, and national accounts before their beer is able um, to do that and give a good consumer experience. And, uh, you know, again, I just come back to Stone um, and the quality of some of their beers on the shelf. 
Yeah, I think the broader your, your distribution goes, the more you've got to bring your A-game with regards to um, production and packaging. You just can't have one without the other. You can't just go and go, oh, I'll just do national distribution. Oh, we'll go into the majors. Um, oh, we'll just buy more tanks. Uh, it's a little bit more to it than that. You've really got to have a, a, a strong quality focus the more beer you sell or the more beer you want to sell. Very true. So uh, thank you very much, uh, Simon, for that one. Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. With over 100 craft beers and ciders on the roster and counting, Brewpack specialises in offering growing craft breweries a home for their packaged and kegged beer, no matter how crafty. Serious about handmade beers, and with an open-door policy, Brewpack's brewers love having passionate, hands-on partners in the brewery. Thinking about craft contract brewing? Think Brewpack. And uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. Now, the next one. This was from Jose Perez, uh, who's a Brisbane boy. Very long email, this one, so we'll just have to be a bit selective in uh, what we say. The first one was the discussion about Two Birds Brewing's Trailblazer Australian Lager. Now, Hendo, I'm not sure if you caught this discussion in uh, catching up on our back catalogue, but Two Birds brought out a really solidly made um, beer in cans to celebrate the mm-hmm. women's uh, or the AFLW um, sponsorship that they have, yep. and it was called Trailblazer. Yep. It was Aussie Lager. Yep. Um, and yep. I just made a comment, look, absolutely flawless, you know, beautiful uh, beer, but it was, and it was a beer that was obviously made for a footy audience um, to fit in with them, but... It was the sort of beer that a lot of beer geeks, if it wasn't made by you know a much loved brewery, they probably would have been a little bit disparaging of it. it it's you know, without being pejorative in any way, very mainstream. Mm-hmm. The, the point I was making is that when you've got craft brewers that have always staked their name on making more adventurous beers or you know fuller flavored beers coming back to a mainstream beer market, but able to produce only produce it at a seventy five or eighty dollar price point. What is the uh, you know what what is the point of difference between mainstream and craft? And uh, Jose said yes, it's a bit disappointing to see that an introduction to craft beer targeted at the footy audience would be uh, beer tasting very similar to other mainstream lager options. On the other hand, I can understand the approach because the way I see it, the target audience is not necessarily going to want to try something too different from what they know when they're at the footy. In this context, I feel most people would not be very adventurous with their uh, drink uh, choice, um, and he and Jose feels that it's a good opportunity to get the Two Birds brand in front of that audience. So hopefully, they will then move on up. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that issue? I haven't tried the beer, um, but I love Two Birds beers in general. They're, mm. they're, they're probably one of the, the very, um, you know, Jane and, and, and Wilson and the crew are really quality focused uh, brewery and. Um, uh, it's very, it's, 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 they're just doing such a great job. If they make a beer that's very, you know, quote, mainstream and put it into an audience that's going to broaden the reach, not on uh, the, 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 the audience of uh, not only their own brand, but for craft beer in general, that's a good thing. Um, I don't think we should be judging them based on the style of beer that they make. They're, they're, they're going to, uh, get more people interested in craft beer, and um, um, I think the concept of, about it uh, supporting the uh, AFLW is awesome. 
Um, yeah, look, I, I agree with Hendo. Like, I don't really. I mean, I think the diff, probably the difference between um, you know an offering like this and one of the mainstream offerings, if you wanted to just randomly choose, I don't know. I haven't tried the beer, so I don't know what it would be. You know what it would be similar to in the glass, but let's say Peroni, for example. I mean, the difference is that you know there isn't another Peroni that you can then step up to off that base. You know, this is bringing. Um, mainstream consumers into the two birds um family you know in a, in a kind of a fairly unorthodox way but it's it's then giving them a bit of a taste of of two birds and then maybe it's gonna you know just get them to start asking questions about who is two birds what's their story um you know maybe i'll have to check out their brewery if it's near me and then they mm -hmm. end up there and they try some new beers and i don't think it's really a bad thing for for craft beer yeah, and again, I was just posing the question. Like, I wasn't. I, I, I'm. I've got no idea whether it's a good thing or a bad thing because I can see all of the things that you guys are saying are spot on. But at the same time, the number of people uh, who comment on me about the price of craft beer, and you know, if they as to, you know, it's probably not vastly different from a prony. So, like a, a beer in that ilk. Um, but you know, if you can pick up a carton of prony at forty dollars, and then you've got this two bird at eighty dollars, and someone who doesn't know the two bird story they don't know you know the, the small batch they don't know the all malt or you know presuming it's all malt they don't know all of that back they just sort of say well god this is twice the price of uh peroni but i'm not getting twice the value i'm not even getting 50 percent more experience out of it i i sort of worry that the, that mainstream beer drinker is actually just going to um you know revert to to price there's always going to be people like that it's just that's just the nature of the the, the uh, of the business there will always be, be beer drinkers out there who are solely motivated by price and who only drink mainstream lager and they'll be that way for the rest of their life that's okay you yeah, know is the um, uh, 810 to sydney hendo taking off or landing i don't know <laughs> i don't know where it's going but <laughs> i can't hear it because i've got headphones in but um you know there, there'll always be people who'll just drink mainstream beer and that's okay that's their choice but some of those people who drive who drink trailblazer are going to go, wow, that was a really good beer. Wow, who are the, who's this Two Birds Brewing Company? Oh, right, okay. And, and um, you know, you can get Two Birds in a lot of places, uh, you know, across, across the country. And, um, um, you know, the next time, you know, they might try it at the footy and then the next time they, they rock up into, you know, the local bottle shop. Or I don't know if they're in Dan's and that sort of thing lately. But, um, you know, it's and they go, oh, yeah, I had that beer at the footy. I'll try this beer. Great. It's good. Cool. Absolutely. So, uh Jose, thank you very much for weighing in. Now we've touched, he also touched on the beer as a conversation with Ian Watson um, and we've uh, gone through that as well. So next question, um, Sarah Gall, who is uh, in Melbourne and she's a, I know that she's been a long time listener. Hey guys, enjoyed listening to episode 163 and the discussion around the Pink Boots auction. I don't know if you caught up with this one, Hendo, but uh, this was the Pink Boots, uh, or Goose Island had an auction of the last 12 bottles of bourbon county stout oh i watched the auction online on Facebook. you did i think they had it live yeah yeah and and we we just made the comment that it was i just thought it was quite interesting that uh on the facebook auction for the pink boots society i think everyone that bid 
um, and everyone that I could see in the audience, in the um, Facebook audience was male. And I, and I just made comment on that without you know, any judgment and just sort of uh, pondered why that might have been. And uh, Sarah weighed in, to me, the obvious reason for the high-priced beers being purchased by mostly men is the disposable income disparity between men and women. Don't want to open the wage earnings gap uh, can of worms, but the stats say the average male income is higher than the average female income, thus more extra cash to splash on frivolous items, in inverted commas, frivolous items like beer. And then she said, hopefully you might cover something about the socioeconomic background of the crafty segments of the beer market at some point. Keep up the good work. Um, did you have any thoughts about why it may have been a very male-centric uh, bidding for the bourbon can, or have you indeed given it any thought? Well, it's just pretty much like the beer scene in in general. Really, it's you know there's it's it, there's a, there's much much of a skew towards uh, men in there, and try as we might to encourage more women uh, to become interested in beer and 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 the complexity and 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 sophistication of it. I, I don't know. It's it's basically um, it's just. It, I think on that particular day, it was just representative of just how it's always been. We still continue to push to try and embrace for equality of women in the industry and also with the punters and that sort of thing. And here's a very thing with the pink boots auction auction that was, um, you know, uh, championing that cause. You know, it's I, I, it's a good thing. I reckon it was a it was a success. Do you know how much money they raised? Uh, about two thousand two hundred dollars, um, awesome. I believe. Yeah, so not bad. Although, and, and that was the other point that we made. You know, <laughs> when you hear about the production team that was uh, running the show behind the scenes, it cost them a lot more to raise that two thousand dollars than if they just made a one-off donation and made a song and dance about it. But that's just my yeah. cynicism coming yeah. to the fore. <laughs> yeah. That's marketing. But but I think it it, it 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 does take away some of the pillars of altruism that they're trying to lean on. Yeah, I think um, I think Sarah's right. That's definitely that definitely would be a factor. But like Hendo said, I mean, beer generally is an eighty twenty um, split between male and female uh, consumption in Australia, is my understanding. And then, I, but I also think when you are looking at really going um, down into the rabbit hole and becoming really obsessive about anything, whether it is Star Trek or classical music or uh, beer or whatever it is, that does tend to be more of a predominantly male, um, uh, you know, thing, that sort of, you know, the, the, the concept of the train spotter or in Britain, you know, they talk about the anorak. Um, yeah, that, that, that sort of, that, that real serious geekery um, is very much a male thing. I don't know why that is, um, but that's what I would have thought, whether, whatever, whatever the particular little niche is that I've seen. There's lots of awesome women beer geeks out there, but of course there are. I'm not. I'm not um, saying otherwise, but they're they're a minority. That's the reality. Yeah. I hope it changes. <laughs> cool, well, Sarah. Thank you for your email. And uh, now Simon Bultman um, weighed in. Uh, now going back just a little bit to that. Uh, macro lagers and fringe craft beers i can't comment with much authority on my personal experience but i will anyway that's what we like to hear um that's what we do here uh, as hosts um i'm a craft beer fan and love trying new and flavorful flavorful beers but my financial circumstances mean i can't often afford to buy craft beer regularly certainly not as much as i would love to often when making my purchasing decisions i'm weighing 
quality, quantity and price against each other, which sometimes results in walking out of the bottle shop with a CUB Lion craft beer rather than a fuller flavoured and more expensive independent option. I suspect that I'm not alone in making these sorts of decisions at the checkout. And if that's the case for some craft beer fans, how much more could that be true of macro lager drinkers? In my opinion, big beer is here to stay. And while I'm on a roll, I think the derision many craft beer lovers reserve for CB Line is really unhelpful. In my view, the Independent Brewers Association has played into this to some degree with their name change. Independence doesn't equate to quality. Uh, well, we did touch on that. And as I said, uh, um, Simon is echoing a little bit my fear around those sorts of beers um, and that it does lessen the distinction between craft and uh, mainstream more so than the leg up factor. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know if you guys have any more to add on that topic. Oh, who doesn't? Who doesn't go into a bottle shop and look at the shelves and go, "Oh, do I, you know, um, what 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 can I get? What's the most bang for my buck that I can get?" I, I do it. You know, it's it's just you make that decision when you're in the in the bottle shop, you know. And um, you know, there's a lot of things going through my mind when I'm looking at the fridge. Um, you know, is it is the beer independent? Sure. Uh, how much is it? Yep, I think about that. Um, Am I going to buy the, the local, how much am I going to get? So am I going to buy the local beer that's in 330ml bottles or am I going to get the Sierra Nevada that's in 375ml bottles? And, you know, it's, everyone makes those decisions. And, and um, 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 I, I, you know, kudos to Simon for at least trying to bring some independent beer into his um, reptile beers that he drinks on occasion. But, you know, sometimes you just can't afford it, and that's just that's just a fact of life. That's okay. And the question of independence uh, equating to quality, have you got any thoughts around that one? Independence does not equal quality. That's that's it. It's just um, I think um, um, uh, you know, independence does not equal quality at all because it, you know, independence is is all about who owns the brewery, not whether the beer is any good. Um, I've had some. Uh, really awesome independent beer and I've had some really average independent beer um, but um, uh, beer quality is a separate thing um, that sh really shouldn't be taken in the context of you know independence and beer quality shouldn't be taken in the same context you know um, there are a lot of independence often means small and small uh, can often mean that uh, you know, a small business has made a, a, a significant investment into starting a brewery, and uh, and that um, maybe a lot of money's been spent on the stainless steel and that sort of thing. But maybe uh, they lack the skills or the knowledge about how beer quality should be managed, and perhaps a little bit of an investment there um, um, might raise the standard of of quality of you know of a, of a brewer's beer um but um independence and quality are not the same i couldn't agree more with hendo and yeah i think you've summed up perfectly there you go well we'll move on to the last uh email that we can fit in we're already a little bit over time um tim fuller on facebook ladies and gents of australian brewers news and in particular radio brewers news I'd like to commend your responsiveness on social media and I'll explain why. I was the person who posted a photo of the packaged and best before dates on the bottom of a can of Slipstream during a recent work trip to Brisbane. I felt that the climate in a location such as Brisbane wanted, warranted being extra cautious when picking hoppy beers rather than the limited selection of local brews. 
I am an obsessed home brewer. So in a way you could say that I know how a good hoppy beer could be and how to recognize signs of a tired and lackluster brew. The post was a tongue-in-cheek dig at breweries that know better than to list long best before dates on beers. They know will be less than spectacular before it hits the consumer. And as the long list of uh, responses grew, it was clear the topic was both passionate and emotive to the small community of craft beer enthusiasts. So to listen to the latest Beer is a Conversation podcast and discover that you have responded so quickly to a topic with, uh, was both indicative of how you are in touch you are with the grassroots push that will eventually become part of the mainstream beer world and also a sign that the good beer movement relies on people like yours to push the concerns forward to the people so they can enable good beer to spread far and wide. So congratulations to it all. P.S. I didn't write this because I wanted a bottle of Bourbon County Stout, but hey, I'll take it if you're offering. Do you have any Bourbon County Stout? Uh, we, yeah, well, we bought one of the bottles. <laughs> Oh, right. Okay, cool. Yeah, Prof bought, uh, blew the uh, um, budget um, in buying one of the most expensive bottles. These listeners aren't just writing in letters because they like us and are, and are really engaged, Hendo. They're doing it they because we might get them the bottle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, we, we've gone right through the whole, please, please send us emails. I just know what you, we know you're listening. We know there's a lot of people who are listening. We just take the time to email. And you get one bottle of Bourbon County Stout and people suddenly start emailing. So uh, The date code thing that, you know, on this occasion, I think it's okay to, to, to name names of some brewers who are doing uh, the right thing with their small pack product. Um, I've just helped. Uh, Govzy over at Black Hop set up his brand new canning machine and he's putting packed on and best before date on his products. Um, I shared a thing on Beer Mat this week. Uh, Archer Brewing up in Brisbane are doing the Archer same. Brewing, yeah, they made a post this week and that sort of thing. Uh, Three Ravens with Juicy. And they put a, they only they put a eight week uh, best before date on Juicy, which is, you know, that, that's awesome. And um, and I bought a can so, of that in Brisbane recently and shared a, a photo of that on social media for exactly that yeah. reason. So, you know, if they can get it to Brisbane and still be under that uh, that date, I think that's awesome. Yep, absolutely. So, you know, there's 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 these are the breweries that are really setting the standard of really what we should be doing with regards to informing the consumer. Let's, let's get more people doing it. Excellent. Well, that, that's it for the week. Now, we do have to draw the winner. And look, in, in terms of quality, I don't think any one of those emails stood out um, to base it on you know, the, the best entry. So we had to sort of... Uh... I have to base it on independence then. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, well we independent <laughs> in the sense of random. Um, I, uh, yeah. I, I spun the random number generator um, and oh, cool. came up with uh, Simon Godden. Simon Godden from Gerringong. His email uh, was the uh, winning one. So we will get a Bourbon County Stout uh, prize pack out to you. Everyone awesome. who emailed this week is going to get some Brews News merch. And, uh, yeah, I think we're going to have to look at bribing more and more people to uh, contribute to the discussion. But the discussion takes place in all its forms uh, on, on, on the site, on Facebook, email, um, Twitter. You can contact us through any of those mediums and uh, join in the conversation that is uh, beer. Uh, James, is there anything that you wanted to weigh in before we sign off for the week? No, mate. That, that, that just about wraps it up for me. It's been a very quiet week news-wise, um, really, just post-Easter. And uh, you're off to, China, uh, no, off to Japan this week. Japan next week, yes. Very oh, lucky cool. going over with Yamazaki whiskey, which is going to be pretty awesome. <gasps> which oh, is distilled beer, I... we'll call it. Oh, yes. Can I get in the suitcase? <laughs> yeah. That sounds like... I, I, I believe you're going over later in the year, Hendo. I am going in September, yeah. I'm going to yeah. judge the International Beer 
competition in September, and that uh, I'm going uh, with uh, Lee McAllister Smiley from uh, White Lies, who got me involved in that, and it's going to be awesome. And we're going to do Mario Kart. We're going to dress up as Mario and go go karting. <laughs> I've heard of it. I've, I've seen that. I've seen that when I was in Tokyo. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we're going to have a few awesome. beers first, though. <laughs> so it should be good. And Hendo, what have you got on now that you uh, with your Rockstar Brewing operation? Have, have you got much yeah. uh, happening up there? Well, I'm uh, basically uh, I'm taking life pretty easy easy at the moment but uh getting getting back into the swing of things um uh, i'm gonna ramp up the the content and the the writing over at uh, rockstar brewer uh toying and with for a couple news, of, of course uh, and for bruise news of course yeah got a got a got a good article on nipa coming up shortly um and um i'm i'm sort of in that mode where i'm thinking about what i'm going to do next and what i do next uh whatever, whatever way that plays out is I want to spread the word about helping brewers increase their quality, you know, within the industry. And I don't know how that's going to pan out just yet, but um, that's the that's the thing that's sort of got my um, uh, that's taking my interest at the moment. And um, we'll see how that plays out in the coming weeks. Oh, good luck. Well, we look forward to reading your Nieper article. We know you've got some uh, some thoughts around that. Um, having mm. discussed them with you previously. So, well, Hendo, thank you very much for joining us as our uh, guest rock star. Thank you. Thank you very much. James, thank you for being our regular rock star. Thank you. And uh, Jamie Cook, apologies for going so long and uh, cutting so far into your day. And uh, guys, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for all of your cards and letters. You can keep in contact, as I said. Um, you can support the show either as a one-off uh, or regular sponsor that helps us pay for the production values that uh, hopefully you're seeing the benefits of. Um, you can leave a comment on iTunes and help other people find us. Uh, otherwise, just keep on listening. And remember, beer is a conversation. Look at his beer. <laughs> <laughs>